Today's program has been brought to you by GreatBrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit GreatBrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In The Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and I am very excited to be here today with someone I very much look up to in the industry, someone who's been very generous with his time, his, his advice, his leadership, uh, uh, one of the greatest Somalis, one of the greatest palates in the, in the country. Uh, Mr. Raj Park is here. He's the uh, wine director of the Michael Mina Restaurant Group, the author of of Secrets of the Sommelier, uh, one of the few books in the last few years that I've actually read cover to cover. Uh, it's an outstanding, outstanding read. Everyone should uh, go out and read Secrets of the Sommelier. And the man behind Sandy Wines, which are uh, featured at great restaurants such as La Picho and, <laughs> uh, and Domaine de la Côte is the new, uh, the new project. Uh, Raj, welcome to In the Drink. Oh, thank you. It's Excited to be here. Good to see you. Uh, it is uh, it is an honor for us to to have you here. Uh, I think that you uh, you are truly one of the one of the very very best in the industry, um, and someone that I like. I said I just very much look up to. Raj, tell us a little bit about uh, how you first got into. It. I know you tell the story in uh, in your book, but um, someone who actually grew up in India yeah. came to the came to the states and made your way as you know, kind of carved a niche for yourself as one of the best in the States. How, how, did, how did that go? I'm sure you, you're humble and wouldn't admit to that last part, but how, tell, tell us about some of the, the more influential moments in your, in your career. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in Calcutta, and uh, since I was like 10 years old, my family had restaurants in Delhi, so I used to kind of like hang on to the restaurants, and my dream was to be a chef. Um, and I first went to hotel school in India, uh, where I spent the days in the in school and the evenings working in the restaurant. Uh, and then I came to the culinary school up in Hyde Park, the CIA, in 94. Uh, I discovered wine in the beginning of 96, and I fell in love and uh, wanted to be a sommelier, but in 96 there weren't, there weren't that many sommelier jobs available. There were... There are very few, you know, some ways restaurants didn't have people had, you know, managers and and the waiters at the wine service in most most places. But uh, so I spoke to Daniel Jonas and and uh, he turned me down. He's like, I I don't need you. <laughs> no, it's, that's not true. But he he did turn me down. But he's forgiven. Uh, no, and then he said, go work for Larry Stone. So I went to uh, San Francisco. I went to work at Rubicon uh, restaurant where Larry was and. I started as a bus uh, bus boy, uh, um, food runner, bar back, bartender. Slowly, kind of made my way to Larry's assistant, and uh, just uh, worked there for three years. Then, and then just you know made my way. You know, worked to the fifth floor. Then joined Michael Mina in 2003. Started the Mina Group with Michael, and uh, here we are, ten I guess 
almost 11 years later, and uh, it's um, almost towards the end of my uh, sommelier career. Just uh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, you know. I mean, I got a little bit. You know, moving to Santa Barbara in in spring next year, and uh, uh, pretty much just be doing the you know in the vineyard, the winery, and you know it's a a whole new career. So it's uh, yes, it's exciting, fun, and kind of uh, you know nostalgic. Not uh, you know knowing that you know your future is very different than where mm-hmm. it was the last well uh, congratulations i don't know if that's breaking news it's the first that, that i've uh, uh that i've heard of it yeah no i, I did decide it just a week or 10 days ago and and uh no i'm gonna continue you know working with the mina group and the restaurants and uh but uh you know it's uh it's it's time to you know live in a peaceful place and and uh, be close to the vineyard because this vineyard be we bought, we've just released the first wine from mm-hmm. Domingo de la Cote, and uh, just, I just you know, need to be close to the vineyards and kind of... What has drawn you to this lifestyle? Is it truly just this, the, the search of a little more peace and quiet? Um, I remember the first time I tasted the Sandy wines with you uh, was at uh, Barbaloo with, with Mike Madrigal, and I was so impressed as to how intimately you knew those vineyards and could tell the story of the vineyards, considering that you were this world-famous sommelier who was traveling all over and, and writing books and, and doing all this. It's still, you could tell that the, the thing that gave you so much pleasure was, was this one vineyard that you, that you cared so much about. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's the mystery of the grape, which, uh, which is always you know, fascinating because, you know, you start for, as a sommelier to taste wines, understand the wines of the world, and, the, and you start loving the wines you love and appreciating, you know, wines around the world. And then when you, when you find, like, I found something, I found an area in in California which I think, you know, is promising. It, it has it has made great wine. Its, it's potential hasn't been, you know, hasn't been exploited. And, you know, it's, uh, I, th- I think it's just, you know, just chasing the mystery because, you know, you always want to find that, you know, the perfect place where you can grow Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, the grapes we love. And I think, I think uh, you know, people before me, Jim Clendenin, Bob Lindquist, uh, you know, uh, Greg Brewer, Steve Clifton, they've, they've all been in the area. And and now, uh, you know, walking down the path with Sashi, it's like, you know, Sashi Mormon, my partner, mm-hmm. in Dome de Lakote and Sandy, and, of course, Charles Banks, who's, given us the opportunity to to do these things and uh you know it's exciting it's just it's it's just chasing the mystery i think that's for me yeah and you you have all of california at your fingertips what is so special about this one here is it the soil there's a very special soil here or exposition to the pacific ocean you have a lot of influence what what do you why is this a, a great spot uh yeah you know it's uh it's it's unique because it has it does have uh, interesting soil. It has diatomaceous earth, which is something which most people have not heard of. The, one of the world's biggest quarries is right behind behind our vineyard. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly what it does to the wine, but I like I like the flavors I get from the, from the wine. Diatomaceous, it has a lot of shale. There's a great, uh, you know, it's a very cool area and, mm-hmm. you know, never gets too hot and, you know, it gets cold, but never gets like Super cold. It's very, very close to the ocean. Like our vineyard is eight miles from the ocean. The most of the valley is between eight and thirteen miles from the ocean. So you know it does have a cooling effect. It's really foggy. 
we can make wines with a lot of acidity, freshness. Uh, you know, it's it's just it's just a place. I mean, you know, I'm not saying it's better than any other place in California, but you know, I feel that I can, you know, live there, make wine there, and you know, and that'll be and that'll be that. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I love hearing you say that you don't know what is uh, so you know what the what the, that particular soil gives to the wine. I think that that some of that mystery is what what kind of keeps us going. And uh, to hear someone who, you know, I, I when we worked La Palais together, I was asking you every question I could possibly get because I know that you have like tons and tons of great information. But to know that even even you. You know, there are some things, even with vineyards, that you're so, you know, yeah. in closely entwined with. Oh, yeah. We have no idea. You know, in Burgundy, is lucky. They have, uh, you know, hundreds of years of experience. Yeah. Here we are, you know, just uh, scratching the surface and, you know, planting a vineyard on barren land. That's like, you know, you have no idea. You're like, you know, investing a lot of time and money and energy into, you know, hoping that something will work. And, you know, it's, again, for... You know, we don't, like I talked to Sasha a lot, it's not about like, this is for us now, this is going to give us whatever. I mean, it, this is for the next generation, the one after that, because, you know, California is in a very interesting place right now. It's it's the most exciting, uh, you know, I've been in California for the last, what, 17 years, and right now what's happening in the wine world in California is, is, is pretty unreal. I mean, if you, uh, I mean, you know, everyone should by the new book with John Bonet has just uh, just written this thing coming out next week called The New California. Mm-hmm. And that book is going to be, you know, it's going to change the way people think about California. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. And, and I'm just happy to be a part of California, proud to produce wines in California and serve them to anyone. It's, it's you know, it's because in the past, everyone was like, oh, California wine is big and sweet and oaky and buttery or whatever. And and yeah, that that might be uh, the case in a lot of the wines, but you know, there's a new wave, a new I'm not saying a new style, because in the '60s, '70s, you know, California wines were made just like European wines, and somehow in the middle things changed in in the in the '90s. But I think I think they're back. I think there's more knowledge uh, producers have tasting European wines and kind of not imitating the style, but definitely getting ideas of. You know, because we want wines of freshness and wines of you have with food. Yes. And just to give us uh, a shameless plug over at La Pizza, we're actually going to be doing a dinner with John Bonet, um, a book release dinner and tasting many of the wines from or several of the wines from his book. It's going to be up on our La Pizza website uh, shortly, but it's not there yet. Yeah, right. don't, don't miss that. Right. that if you if you want to learn something new and it's it's pretty amazing. That's right. Um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> one of the uh, first restaurants that I ever saw uh, a a significant portion of Beaujolais uh, wines. I've never I, I can't think of any place where I ever saw a, re- a restaurant having multiple Beaujolais from different communes uh, before RN seventy four. Um, I, I was blown away. It's something that I, that I always loved as a, a young sommelier because of the value. Um, I, I really like Burgundy, and I know you've had the opportunity to taste lots of great Burgundy, but Beaujolais always gave me that kind of like Burgundy at a less price. And then when I saw it, saw it at RSA Four, I was like, "Wow, this is this is super cool that you're that you're doing that." Yeah. Any desire to grow Gamay in California? Uh, we do actually. You do? I didn't yeah. know that. Uh, it's a very small project. Uh, 
with my good friends Duncan and Nathan from Arnold Roberts. Uh, we, I'm a huge, huge Gamay fan, huge Beaujolais fan. I would say probably the most underrated uh, appellation in the world. Uh, the most delicious wines at the best value. I think, you know, we want the price to be, you know, affordable. You know, you know, Beaujolais was more expensive than Burgundy in the twenties. Yeah, and it was, it was, you know, and, and after the right. after Philoxera, you know, there was a lot of problems in the appellation. But you know, Gamay is an amazing grape. There's amazing producers, amazing wine, uh, and me. I was with Duncan Nathan, and we were in in the Rhone a couple of years ago, and we started like chatting and said, "Let's let's go find a Gamay vineyard." We traveled all around California, and uh, we found this little, this two little vineyards up in the Sierra foothills, uh, thanks to uh, Steve Edmonds, and it's the vineyards he buys the grapes from, and one of the vineyards is on pure pink granite, uh, very similar to uh, Cote de Bruy, and we started mm. working with the grapes. 2011 was the first vintage. It's the label is called RPM, so Roberts Power Myers, and uh, yeah. So we have a little bit more in 12, and then the vineyard uh, which uh, Ron Mansfield planted for us. Uh, that's probably going to give us some grapes next year and the year after. So you know we are on our way to make a little bit of gamay just to kind is of. Is this commercially available in New York? Uh, you know, Polaner. Doug Polaner has. We'll probably get the 2012, uh, maybe in the spring or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's you know it's a, f- you know it's a fresh, delicious, fun style wine. It's not, you know, gamay can be serious and gamay can be fun. And you know, I like the feel. We like the fun style, more kind of vibrant and, you know, uh, carbonic maceration and you know, no new oak, you know, tr- traditional winemaking. Nothing, nothing too, uh, nothing too crazy. What advice would you give? A young sommelier who, or or a sommelier of any age for that point, who is interested in doing a wine project such as uh, Sandy when you were, you know, still very much involved in the Mina Group. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's it's a, it's tough because, um, you know, it's tough to do two things in in the best possible way because you can, you know, it's it's. It's time consuming, it's energy, you wanna be there, you wanna connect it. It's it's about vision. It's about like what do you wanna end up doing. It's it's you know, if you wanna make wine, you know, I would tell you know, someone is like if you wanna own it, you wanna like really wanna be a part of it, you gotta just go and do it and you know, be there for, you know, the entire vinification, be there for, you know, just the whole process. Cause, you know, that's the only way it's 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 easy to just, you know, blend a couple of barrels and call it your wine. Which is kind of fun to like do, but like eventually you want to kind of you know be totally involved because that you know when I started making as being part selection it was like you were always like you know relying on somebody else's time or they have time to bottle your wine or rack your wine or you know and and you know when you get more involved and you know you you really have to kind of get into you know know all the vineyard sources you know how they're grown where they're grown and, you know it's 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 very very detailed and. That's the only way to kind of really, you know, produce produce top wines. And uh, you know, I think I think making wine for sommeliers is something sommeliers should do when they when they established, and maybe even kind of like looking to kind of either, you know, make the make the wine for their restaurant or or if they want to get serious, then you know, a way kind of after the restaurant career because it's very hard to do it together. I mean, it, uh, you know, unless you're 
unless you're doing it just to kind of you know if, if you do it just for your own restaurant mm-hmm. you know in a small you know a small scale that that'll work well but if you're going to make it a commercial wine then you know you have to spend a lot of time and and you know i'm not sure someone is have i mean they shouldn't have the time to <laughs> do both cuz you know i mean you know between 04 and and 08 you know i was there only for the harvest part so it was only after 2009 i kind of started spending more time um, yeah. And what what's your schedule like now? How are you splitting your time up? Now I you know I I mostly uh, I mostly spend time in Santa Barbara, uh, a little bit in San Francisco, and then going on the country, showing the wines, and uh, you know of course still working with Michael and uh, helping to manage the manage the restaurants, and uh, I have an amazing. Uh, an assistant who's the Mina Group wine manager. He's more than an assistant. He's like, he runs the show, and you know, I direct him, and and uh, you know, it's it's gonna be, uh, you know, he he does amazing work. So it's you know, luckily he's like, he knows the way I think, and you know, it works for, works for Michael and works for me. All right, we're gonna take a very quick break, uh, and we'll be back with more with Raj Parr on In the Drink. Do you want to taste the finest beer and spirits from over 125 breweries and 30 distilleries? The Craft Experience, the most exclusive craft and spirit tasting event in New York, hosted by great brewers, is available to the public for the first time ever. Join your fellow beer and spirit enthusiasts on Wednesday, November 13th in Manhattan to mingle with the superstars of the craft beverage world. Tickets are available now at www. And we're back uh, on In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Your host, Joe Campanelli, here with Raj Parr. Uh, Raj, you were, before we left for break, you were talking about, uh, about some of the people who work with you, um, your, uh, the wine manager for the Mina Group. Now, you have been a very successful, in my opinion at least, uh, mentor over the years. Um, there, there are many people who've come through your programs and gone on to do great things. Uh, some of them have been on the show, like Dustin Wilson. Uh, Eric Railsbeck has uh, the few wine labels that, that we carry at, at Le Picho, um, and, and excited to do that. And just met the other night at a, at a dinner with Alessia Antonori, um, the new wine director for Maialino came through RN74 as well. So you've been you've been very successful in, in bringing up great talent and then having them go out and do uh, 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 other really fantastic, interesting things. What what are some of the tips that you give for mentorship? What do you think is the the key the keys to the success for for being a good mentor? Uh, first, I'll start by just uh, you know I had a mentor, Larry Stone. I still he's still my mentor. It's it's one of those things. Once you work for uh, and you have a recognized mentor, you are always. You always work for him, so I always look up to Larry and still asking for advice. Uh, it's very important to to have a mentor uh, for everyone in the in the wine business, especially because you know right now there's so much demand for for you know young and passionate people in the in the wine business. I think demand is way more than the amount of people we have, uh, and you have a mentor who you know. Will tell you how things work. Tell you the re- the real the real story, you know, because anyone anyone can tell you, oh yeah, it's gonna be great. 
don't worry. But you know, they're really, you know, it, it's 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 a tough business because it's time consuming. It's you know, you have your full of passion. It's a lot of work, and you know, it's it's not necessarily a high paying position, um, unless of course you're in Las Vegas. But <laughs> but uh, you know, it's 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 all about passion and hard work, and and you know, I always try to train the guys and kind of. You know, uh, you know, I, you know. I, I don't criticize people. Uh, you know, I usually kind of like tell them the way I do it, and hopefully, if they recognize that path and or examples of other people who've who've done it. But it's very important to to teach. I, you know, we we've always welcomed people to come and stage with us, or do an internship, or come and like you know, you know, work the floor in for a day just to see how we do it. Because you know, what's interesting about the wine program for all the restaurants in the Mina Group is. Even everything, even from the fine dining restaurants to casual RS seventy four, our wine services is the same because you know we re- and you know the idea of the wine is the same. Even though you you know at a, at the fine dining at Michael Mina in San Francisco or you you are in a, in a casual restaurant, uh, you know a pub eighteen forty two in uh, Las Vegas, it's wine services is you know the the approach is exactly the same. So it's important to teach and when people work with me, I always like and they if they want to leave, I'm like. Sounds good. I'll I'll help you find a job. It's you know it's it's all about sharing. Uh, I had a great mentor who taught me everything, so it's my you know I have to. I'm obliged to teach anyone who wants to learn. So anyone who's known you for some time ha- inevitably has a story about you just absolutely nailing a wine blind, like to a point where it's just like the vintage, the vineyard, just. An extraordinary, like, unbelievable story, and and I've heard these from like from multiple people, and it no no one will. Uh, I don't think anyone in the industry could possibly, you know, second guess the the point that you are without doubt one of the greatest blind tasters in the industry. How do you build up? How how do you how do you learn to be a good blind taster? And how is this a useful uh, skill? Oh, learning. Well, you know, I wish I had the answer. Uh, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't even drink wine until, you know, I think the first time I tasted wine was uh, I was 20 years old in England, and you know, so it was just like I was curious to see what you know. And even tasting wine, you know, I think what's important, I think, is to really recognize the grape and understand the soil. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the soil is always tells the truth. Soil tells you the truth. It's, you know, as the wines become more uh, international style and a little bit more, you know, standardized, it's tough. You know, I mean, back in the day, you know, you could, you know, you could very easily recognize almost, you know, any great Chateau in Bordeaux. And even, even, it's getting harder and harder with the use of more oak, more extraction, even in Burgundy and the Rhone. It's, but, you know, you know, I just... You know, smell. You know, I, I remember that I used to always uh, smell every. I used to go to the farmers market. I used to go anywhere. Always smell every little ingredient, everything. You know, every herb, uh, every fruit. And I used to be kind of a little bit geeky, and also you know, have fruits and smell them all together just to see the difference in all these fruits and kind of just have a strong memory. Because there's two things: when you get a glass of wine, you either just drink it, or you focus and just smell it, and it's like a Rolodex in your mind. It's just like it's there and you'll never forget it. And that's what I've always uh, always done. And, and it's true that as you get older, your taste buds are, you know, are not as, as, as alert as they used to be. So, you know, it's, uh, it's still a fun, a fun thing for me to taste wines blind. It happens all the time and I can go to a restaurant and I'm in, 
I was pouring my own wine at tasting in DC, and someone brought a bottle to blind taste me. I'm, I, it's fun, but it's I don't taste as much uh, blind as I used to. Um, in actually, in, in 2000, when I started at Fifth Floor in 1999, I tasted almost all the wines from all the purveyors blind, mm -hmm. just to teach myself, because. Uh, you know, it's it's it, it it takes it takes time. It it, it you know, could take like years. Do you have uh, your own Rajpar nailing a blind wine tasting story? Like mm -hmm. what what was what do you think was your greatest wine blind tasting achievement? I don't know. It's it's oh uh, you know it's it's uh, I don't know that people have stories. It's uh, it's just, you know it's just fun. It's you know, and if I'm wrong, I you know I love to learn from it because it's you know you how do you miss it? I mean, I remember Larry used to come to me and give me a little one like tiny like I'm talking of this like a, a you know an eighth of an ounce of wine in the middle of service and you're like busy and like what is this? And I'm like uh, in like five seconds. I'm like yes. Yeah, 89 Lynch bar and he's like no you're wrong <laughs> it's 90 I'm like sorry Larry I mean you know it's, he was like you know for him he was great he's a great blind taster for him it was perfection I think, I think that's what got me going because it's mm -hmm. like if you miss it even you know one vintage or one vineyard over you're not right you know, that, that was a, that's the way I learned for three years so I think maybe it's a training I don't know and you're one of the founders of a group called In Pursuit of Balance, uh, along with Jasmine Hirsch, who we've had on this show, and we've had several of your, several of the producers in your group on the show. It's something that I have used as uh, a benchmark, uh, oh, maybe not a benchmark, but a really good reference point, because I, I know that, that your, your values for In Pursuit of Balance kind of correspond with also what I like with wine. So if there are producers that I, that I don't know that are included in the group, that gives me a clue to say, hey, I better check these out. Um, can you tell us just a little bit about how, how, how you guys got started and what, what you have coming up for it? You know, it, it was a, uh, when, when I started making wine, I mean, Jazz was, was involved in, in her family's uh, vineyard uh, in Sonoma. We, just, we started talking about other producers and like-minded people and our friends. I said, let's do a small tasting with our friends and invite just our friends and kind of let's do a tasting. Let's discuss what is, you know, you know what do we want to make? What's the, you know, the, hence the name, in pursuit of balance. And not balance, but in pursuit of balance. And we invited a bunch of friends and then Jasmine's like, well, we can't just do a tasting. It's going to, you know... We, no one wants to pay money, but you know we can do a, maybe a consumer part of it. So consumers come and taste the wines also. I said, okay, let's do that. So we did a very small tasting. I think it was like 16 producers at RN74 and sold out in like two days. They're like, I was like, okay. And then it, when, the, when it, we did a tasting and we did a, you know, for the trade and press and for consumers, it was like packed. You couldn't walk. It was like everyone was like, and, you know, and then, then there was a lot of kind of, you know, I got a lot of hate mail that I'm, you know, maybe, you know, not not recognizing all of California Pinot Noir, I'm only recognizing one style, which is not true. I, you know, that's just the style, you know, we make and our friends make. And then the discussion became even more, um, you know, it got a little deeper and people got into, then we started doing little seminars and the tastings we did in San Francisco, we did one in LA, we did one in New York. Uh, we are back in New York next February, so please uh, check out 
in pursuitofbalance.com and uh, we do a tasting. We have some new members. I think we're up to like 25 or 26 mm-hmm. members now. And, uh, you know, it's just a small group to taste wines. It's not, you know, no one's saying we're better or, you know, anything. It's, you know, it's, a, it's just our own internal discussion of how we can work harder and better in the vineyard and uh, make wines which we think is balanced because there's no really... There's no definition of balance. You can be ba- you can be balanced at twelve percent or at fifteen percent. You can be unbalanced at twelve percent and at fifteen percent. So it's not an alcohol thing. It's just about you know m- you know growing grapes and making wine. Yeah, definitely check out the website in pursuit of balance. And let let's end on um, a, a few notes on your new project, Domaine de la Cote, which um, is being released now in in New York. Uh, I'm excited yeah. and eager to taste it soon. Hopefully. Yeah, it's it's just a little extension of Sandy because Sandy we we buy our grapes and we're very fortunate to work with great vineyards like Sanford Benedict and and Mont Carmel and Wenslau and you know and and Domaine de la Cote is uh, a state vineyard which is on the western edge of uh, Santa Rita Hills, uh, just eight miles from the ocean and. Uh, you know, it's 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 a vineyard me and Sashi to- totally believe in, and hopefully it'll turn out to be, uh, you know, an historic vineyard for California. Um, I have, uh, if, if if anyone was going to make that historic vineyard, I think it's in good hands with you. Uh, Raj Parth, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. It has been a true pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for everything you've done for the industry, and uh, I really encourage everyone to check out the Sandy Wines, go to In Pursuit of Balance, and... Um, and buy a copy of Secrets of Sommelier. I think it's a great book. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. This has been In the Drink on heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.